Hi, and welcome to The Backlot. I'm Tova Leiter, moderator and director of the New York Film Academy guest lecture series. In this episode, we will take an in-depth look at one of my great guests and hear about her experience in the entertainment industry. And now, Eric Conner will take you through the highlights of this Q&A. Hi, I'm Eric Conner, Senior Instructor at New York Film Academy. And in this episode, we bring you the Oscar and Tony-nominated actress, Kathleen Turner. I hoped and was determined never to be typecast. Certainly not as a femme fatale, because there is a real age limit to that sucker. Her list of credits and the director she's worked with is, well, impressive, barely even covers it. Francis Ford Coppola and Pegasus Got Married, John Huston, Princess Honor, and Robert Zemeckis in Romancing the Stone, just to name a few. You're not too smart, are you? I like that in a man. When I watch you eat. Scram, split, let's make a run for it. When I see you asleep. You're a mondo tismo. When I look at you lately. Some men, once they get a whiff of it, they trail you like a hound. I just want to smash your face in. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Unlike most actors, Miss Turner was only briefly out of school before finding consistent acting work. Though she may be the only actress who had to go back to waiting tables after she got her big break in Lawrence Kasdan's steamy film noir, Body Heat. My first year of New York, when I got out of university and, and moved to New York, I had an off-off-Broadway play, you know, at around six months, and then around... Nine months, I got a soap opera called The Doctors. And then around 11 months, I got a Broadway show, a Broadway play. So that I was doing both. So within the first year, I was supporting myself well as an actor, which is not very common, <laughs> frankly. What you would call the big break, I suppose, would be body heat. But in truth, I was supporting myself by my acting always. Um, yes, there were stints when, of course, I'm waitressing and stuff. Even after we completed filming Body Heat, I came back to New York, and they didn't pay me hardly anything. But I was paying rent in New York, and I was paying rent in Los Angeles, so there went my, my salary pretty much. <laughs> so when we completed shooting Body Heat, and it's six months until the release, you know, uh, I went back to waitressing for a couple of months just to pay the rent in New York. You know. Seems weird, but that's what you gotta do. Body Heat ensured that Miss Turner would not be waiting tables anymore. And as with all her work, she looks back on the project fondly, knowing she left it all in the field. The first time I saw Body Heat, I remember my first thought truly was, oh my God, there's a record. You know, there'll be this piece of film long past my lifetime. And it was kind of thrilling, but it was also extremely frightening, the thought that I would be open to anyone's judgment till the end of time. I don't know. I mean, come on, it's scary. <laughs> you know, people are going to be judging this for as long as they wish to, whether I'm there or not. But it was also quite exciting, the thought that I would have left this record, which also then brings me to my ethic, which is never cop out. Never f***ing cop out. I want to be able to look at myself and know that that was the very, very best I could do that day. That I never said, it's good enough, or I don't want to do another take, we've got what we need. 
You know, I want to be sure that every time I see a frame of a film I'm in, that that was the best I could do. Even if I look at that film a year later and go, I should have done it that way. Or why didn't I add that? Doesn't matter. That I did the best I could the day I did it. And that I can be true to. Body Heat could have made Miss Turner the go-to performer for femme fatale roles. But Miss Turner chose her next project carefully, taking great pains to push herself as an actress and not get boxed in by one type of role. I hoped and was determined never to be typecast. Certainly not as a femme fatale because there is a real age limit to that sucker. <laughs> you know, that only lasts a few years. And then you start to look foolish, probably. <laughs> My first job after Body Heat was arena stage to do A Midsummer Night's Dream. Then I decided I'm very funny. But of course, no one in the film industry knew that. So then I wanted, uh, when I read The Man With Two Brains, and I thought, okay, now this I can, we'll, we'll still have the femme fatale nonsense, but I will also be extremely funny. But of course, Carl Reiner, yes, they're willing to, to have me come in and meet, but, you know, uh, is she really funny? So I have to throw myself around and crawl up Steve's leg and <laughs> do all these odds and things. So after that, after a man with two brains, came romancing. Okay, she's sexy and she's funny, but can she be dowdy and insecure? Okay, let's wipe off all the makeup, <laughs> cut up some sweat clothes, go in, stagger, bump into furniture, be clumsy. Oh, look, she can do that. So after romancing, then I went to Crimes of Passion because that was fascinating. The idea of working with Ken Russell, you know, was something that I, I always felt that he was a genius, a, a rather self-destructive shooting himself in the foot genius, but a genius. So the idea being that if you look at the list of films and in their progression, you will see that each one has a contrasting factor to the one before. That there, I have never consciously repeated the work that I have just done. Partly because it's boring, just did it, did it well, thank you very much. <laughs> Want to explore something else. I mean, to my mind, if I do not try things that I may not be able to do, if I don't take a risk of failure, then I'll never be as good. I'll never know how good I can be or get better. You know, you have to be willing to risk to fail um, in order to test how you grow. Seems a simple formula to me. So if you look at my films with that thought in mind, it's also a reason why many people have not been able to put together my body of work in there. It's like I'm constantly running into people and they'll say, oh yeah, you were in accident. Oh, Pritzi's Honor. Oh, of course, Virgin Suicide. And they're all, hopefully, such different kinds of films that that's why people are sometimes surprised that I was in them all. It's fun, isn't it? The romantic comedy Romancing the Stone, directed by Robert Zemeckis, who also did Back to the Future and Forrest Gump, began a terrific pairing of Kathleen Turner with Michael Douglas. 
Your chemistry with Michael Douglas is so strong, and obviously it carried on to two more movies. Yeah, we had a good time together. <laughs> but you know, we have to remember that people forget sometimes, it wasn't just Michael and me, it's also Danny DeVito. Yes. It's three of us in our films. And because uh, Danny and Michael have an extraordinary friendship, it goes back to when they were roommates, you know, starting out in New York. And uh, the two of them together are just, you know, a terrible threat, actually. So it was more the three of us than, than just Michael and B. Uh, certainly you do your best to get along with and, and to create a friendship with whoever you are acting opposite of and hope that that's a true friendship, that it will truly, even though, you know, it, it is a, a, of necessity, a little artificial. You know that you're only going to be together four months or something, you know. And, you know, there's a definite end. And uh, myself, I've always lived in New York. So, you know, when for me, when a film ended, I'd get on the next plane. <laughs> and uh, so it was kind of like, you know, school just ended. You do try very hard to, to find common ground, to find an attraction uh, toward each other and hope that that develops through the working. Miss Turner collaborated again with Robert Zemeckis on the live-action animated hybrid Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Her voice work as the sultry, almost obscenely curvy Jessica Rabbit turned up the heat on that family comedy. You don't know how hard it is being a woman looking the way I do. My honey bunny was never very good behind the wheel. A better lover than a driver, huh? You'd better believe it, Buster. Roger, darling, I want you to know I love you. I've loved you more than any woman's ever loved a rabbit. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. You know, I mean, I have a lot of fun with my voice, and he knew I could do that. I mean, the fun that I have when I see or think about Jessica Rabbit is that the truth is that I was tremendously pregnant. Uh, throughout that. So I would waddle into the studio, and in fact, the last day I was supposed to record, I went into labor. So I'm in NYU hospital saying, call the studio, tell them I'm not coming in today. I, I think that, you know, Bob said he never thought of anyone else. He just said, you know, call Kathleen, see if she's available. Pritzi's honor proved to be a unique challenge. The Oscar-nominated gangster dramedy was helmed by John Huston, the auteur behind The Maltese Falcon and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. But because of the director's health issues, Miss Turner and her co-star, Jack Nicholson, had to carry their weight as performers even more than usual. We did Prince's Honor, and it was his second-to-last film. When we worked together, he was already extremely ill with emphysema you know, could not function without constant oxygen. So this may have affected his directing because essentially he would say, you know, to Jack and me, do something you like and then show it to me. So in fact, I felt like I had much, much more input than I had ever before in a film. I mean, the whole scene in the bed when they're rolling, who's on top, who's on top, and they hit the headboard and then they roll off the thing. <laughs> with Jack going, my f***ing back. Anyway, <laughs> um, that was mine. It took 19 takes, I think, which is lots, a lot more than I'm used to. Because to time 
the camera move with the rolling over was extremely difficult. You didn't quite know how far you were going to go, you know. And as you can see in that shot, it's really quite close, you know. So I got to block that one. And Jack got to block the, the scene that starts with having me draped over the side of the sofa, you know, and he gets up. That, that obviously was Jack. Anyway, <laughs> that was really quite exciting. And then Houston would watch us run through the scene and tweak it, you know, make it more, make it less. Only one day did he really take over. It was the scene where Jack's character comes to find her and confront her about her ex-husband, about the scam that she's pulled with him. And John kept setting up a shot, and we were in a small room, and there were no movable walls or anything like that. So we'd be ready to go, and he'd say, no, I don't like it. We're going to turn this another way. And so we spent, I don't know, eight hours probably, re-lighting and, and changing the, the, the angle on, the, on that scene, on that shot. And finally, I was, I was so frustrated. I was so, you know, what, could, you just, could I just do it? You know? <laughs> and I hear John saying to the cinematographer, oh, I think she's ready now. <laughs> I said, you, <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know? But that was the only time he played me like that. Miss <laughs> Turner credits the longevity of her career now approaching 40 years to repeatedly jumping from theater to film and back again. I always knew that as a woman, my starring life in film would be much shorter than my time as a theatrical lead. So I never went more than two and a half years without going back to stage because, first of all, I, I love it. I love theater more than anything. You can have a lot of fun with the camera. You can. You can achieve things with a camera that you cannot possibly achieve on stage. On the other hand, being on stage and doing a continual arc of acting without interruption is so incredibly alive. And the other side is that as women get older, we get more complex and more interesting. And filmmakers really don't write very complex and interesting older women. They tend like, you know, either you're the love interest or you're the grandmother, or you're the bitter professional woman, you know, who had a bad love life. Now, on stage, they actually tend to write a full character. But I do truly suggest keeping your skills uh, on stage, just for the quality of your work, whether it be on stage or on film. She's also managed to thrive in Hollywood for so long because she does not let her representatives ever paint her into a corner. She controls her career, not them. No one makes a decision about what work I do except for me, ever. No, they try that, they're fired. Simple <laughs> as that. It's like, no, I'll tell you a reason for this. It's because when I first, when Body Heat, for example, we, they came to New York, uh, Larry Kazan, two audition actresses, obviously, for Maddie Walker. I was not allowed to audition for Larry at that point because the casting directors in New York, you know, said she has no film experience whatsoever. Waste of time. So I went out to L.A. four months later to test on a different film. And the casting director out here said, you know, I want you to come in and read. But after I got the film and everything, Larry Kazan told me later 
that he had actually first thought of Ann Archer. But her agent said to him that she would not audition, that it either it was an offer or he could walk away. And Ann, when I asked her, never knew about this. Can you imagine? I would have killed the asshole. Do <laughs> you know? No, 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 nobody decides what I should or should not read or what work I may or may not do. And to keep herself on her toes as an artist, she has even gotten into directing. I directed a play in New York a couple of years ago, Crimes of the Heart, and uh, it went very, very well. It was very successful. And so I am considering more directing work. At this point, it's a balance. I'm still loving acting too much to give it up for directing. So the idea, this, this offer I have to direct and star in the piece is really very enticing. <laughs> that way I'd get to do both. And I love, I actually love directing. I thought that it might be difficult for me, you know, to direct my leading ladies because I'd be wanting to say, oh, no, no, don't do it that way, do it this way. You know, but in fact, what I found was there are six characters in the play. Not only was I fascinated by working with the designers, you know, to create the, the costume, the sets, the lights, all of these elements. When it came to the actors, it wasn't like directing six actors. It was like knowing six characters that I was doing. I mean, I felt as though I could act each one of them, even though a few of them were men. Never stopped me before. <laughs> so I found that quite fascinating. I got to explore each character instead of the individual viewpoint that one usually has as an actor to only be responsible for your own exploration. So I, I think directing is really intriguing. I will continue to do that. Some performers prefer method acting, a technique that involves throwing yourself so fully into character that you feel everything they're feeling from the inside out. But Kathleen Turner is not one of those performers. I hate the word method. I teach a course at NYU when, I have, when I'm home in New York for a semester. It's called Practical Acting, Shut Up and Do It, which is basically how I approach acting. Um, yes, you do, of course, break down the script in terms of the arc of the role because in film, unlike stage, you're going to take all these pieces out and shoot them out of sequence. So in your own mind, you must know where you end this one scene so that when you come back to it, you can start on the same level of energy, intensity or emotion as you move through that scene, where you're going to leave that scene because you've already shot the scene that follows that. So you must keep in mind, I call them bases. If you looked at it like a baseball field or something like this, you have to make sure that you touch the emotional and intentional bases that you've set, the markers you've set for yourself as the shooting goes on. And that's your job, to find a consistent I mean, you'll have somebody watching the continuity of when you lit a cigarette or when you lifted that glass, fine and dandy. But it is your job to find the consistency of the character's thought, intention, and emotion. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you plot that out in your mind and try and 
when you get a shooting script, you have the right to ask to see a shooting schedule mm -hmm. and see what sequence mm -hmm. the scenes are going to be shot. Mm -hmm. And then you can prepare for them in that way as well. And by this point, just in case you're not impressed enough, she's also fluent in Spanish. Yo viví en Cuba y cinco años en Venezuela, un rato en Cali. Mi papá trabajó para eh, el servicio diplomático y por eso vivimos en muchas partes del mundo. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> French and Italian, you guys. I know no one expects a gringa to be fluent in another language, right? Yeah, I know. Well, actually, they don't expect Americans to be fluent right. in another language, which really we should take personally, guys. Yes. Do something about. If you have only one language, you have only one way of thinking. Kathleen Turner moved around quite a bit as a child, and it was overseas that she first fell in love with the theater. In junior high school, I moved to London from, from Caracas. So I went to high school in London, which is also obviously where uh, I had access to such extraordinary theater. And it was in those days when I was in high school, a theater ticket was cheaper than a film ticket, which is why I never went to movies. I just went to plays. <laughs> I had a lot to do with it, actually. And I had started to audit classes at this British acting school, the Central School of Speech and Drama. Uh, I intended after high school to stay another couple of years at this school in London, but my father uh, died very suddenly, and I had to take my mother back to the United States. And so then I ended up at Southwest Missouri State University. <laughs> And I'm talking about culture shock, you know? <laughs> I had lived in the United States for 12 years, and suddenly I'm in Springfield, Missouri. Of course, I had a strong British accent at that point, and I held on to it because I was afraid, I suppose, more than anything. But I can remember my first boyfriend said that the first contact he had with me in Missouri was, he said, well, you know, how do you like it here? And I said, well, it's all right. I said, but everyone's rather stupid, aren't they? <laughs> so you can imagine how popular I was. On the other hand, I got all the Shakespearean leads. Anyway, I learned, I learned. It, you know, in hindsight, it was excellent because it made me a, an American actress rather than a fake British one. So, I'm, I mean, it's a pity that we learn the most when we're so unhappy. <laughs> that being happy doesn't, we just don't get, we just don't learn as much, do we? When we're happy. However, as long as you learn, quite honestly, it's all I ever wanted from the time I was around 12. And, which was rather silly, because no one in my family had ever been connected to the arts in any way. And at that time I was living in Venezuela, so I never saw theater, I rarely ever saw movies. I just thought that this would be my ideal job, would be to be an actress. Then when I was 13, we moved to London. And the first night I was there, I went to the theater. I snuck out of the hotel and went to the theater and I, I saw Angela Lansbury doing MAME. And then it hit me for the first time, I could earn a living this way. And of course in England, there's a tremendous respect for acting as a profession. 
as a serious, legitimate profession. Not something that happened to you because you were sitting on a stool in a drugstore, you know, one of those, those stupid stories <laughs> that you were discovered, you know. No, that it is an actual profession you can be trained and you can be paid for. Well, as soon as I figured out they would pay me for it, that was that. <laughs> that was all I wanted to do. Miss Turner stressed the importance that in the craziness of the entertainment industry, it's crucial to have a normal life. I think that it is very important to have a life outside of the work. I think you have to have friends outside the industry. I think it's good to have family. I had a 22-year marriage, which was almost all good. I have a 24-year-old daughter who is wonderful. Um, most of my best friends are not in the business at all. My very best friend is an accountant. I, I would like people outside my world so that we don't talk about acting all the time or say, this is boring, I just did it all day, do I have to talk about it all night? No, thank you. I think it's important to have a much fuller life than just acting, just the work. Explore everything. Go to museums, man. Read books about history. You know, learn as much as you can. Acting is, is really very narrow, and don't let it define your life. After watching her on screen for decades, and even getting to see her on stage, as Maggie in the play, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, it was a real pleasure to hear how Kathleen Turner never let the industry dictate her career. So thank you to Ms. Turner for speaking to our students, and of course, thanks to all of you for listening. This episode was based on the Q&A moderated and produced by Tova Leiter. To watch the full interview or to see our other Q&As, go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash New York Film Academy. This episode was written by me, Eric Connor, edited and mixed by Christian Hayden. Our creative director is David Andrew Nelson, who also produced this episode with Christian Hayden and myself. Executive produced by Tova Leiter, Sean Sherlock, and Dan Mackler. Special thanks to our events department, Sasha Johnson, and the staff and crew who made this possible. To learn more about our programs, check us out at nyfa.edu. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. See you next time. You don't know how hard it is being a man looking at a woman looking the way you do. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. <laughs>